Well, tomorrow morning or this evening, depending on your family tradition, you will both give and receive gifts, I would assume. For the kiddos, this is a big deal. They're anticipating the list in which they've made for Santa or, well, I won't go there, for mom and dad to get them for Christmas. And so this is a big time, whether that's tonight, kiddos, or whether that's tomorrow morning, And for the parents, maybe that's less of a deal, but what is a big deal is to see your kid's response, right? At least if they're really young, you want to see the response. You've got your camera ready. You've got the video ready to see the response to the gifts that they get. And you can't really anticipate fully the drama of the response. Sometimes there's excitement. Sometimes there's indifference. Sometimes there's just flat-out disappointment. Pro tip, kids, even if you are disappointed by whatever mom and dad got or grandma and grandpa got, don't show her you might lose what you got. I remember when our kids were just a little bit younger and we had some of those responses. My daughter was about two, three years old, and for months before Christmas, we would ask her, Claire, what would you like for Christmas? And she had one response over and over and over again, gum. Oh, how I long for Christmas of yesteryear. Gum. And we would ask, and we would ask, and it was the same answers like, duh, mom and dad, gum. And so we got her and her stocking stuffer, gum, and yet we got her all these other gifts we thought would be grand when when she actually opened it. Christmas morning comes. We open stocking stuffers, and she gets the $4.99 pack of Orbit gum that she wanted, And everything else didn't, nothing else mattered, okay? She sat in the living room of our home, and she opened the gum, and she put one piece after the other in her mouth. I didn't know if we needed to play Chubby Bunny or what was going to happen. She just kept eating bubble gum. Well, my older child, William, had opened all of his gifts, ripped the gifts up. There was things everywhere in the living room. There sat Claire right in the middle of the living room with her gum. She wouldn't even open her gifts. And her brother leans over and says, do you want me to help you? Doesn't pay any attention to him. And William opens her gifts that Christmas. A bit of indifference to all the other gifts. A few years later, my oldest became a teenager, and that's when we got him a phone. No judgment, right? We got him a phone, and He didn't know it, but he was so excited about the phone, he just laps around the house. He's just so excited about this phone that was really a hand-me-down. We're the ones that really got the new gift. But he was stoked about his new phone that he got. So there's indifference. There's excitement and jubilation. There's also, I really don't like this gift. When I, I won't throw my kids under the bus. When I was in fifth grade, I remember my parents giving me different gifts. I had my list that I wanted for Christmas, and there was this huge kind of long rectangular box that was wrapped, and I shook it, and I couldn't figure out what it was. And my parents, you can tell kids, right, when your parents are excited about you opening a certain gift, and I opened the gift, and it was a box of golf clubs. And I hated golf. Like, I, I, when I was a kid, it looked like, that's a dumb sport. This is the 80s, and so golf wasn't fun. And I thought it was, I, and I remember telling my parents, hey, isn't golf for old people? And so I expressed that disappointment and I lost out on a lot of other things. There's disappointment at opening a gift for Christmas. There's excitement. There's indifference. Responses might vary. How do you respond to the gifts that come your way? 
And you might say, well, it depends on what the gift is and how I might respond. But the sure point of the matter is, is that we find out what we think about a gift or who gives it by the response of that gift. This Advent season, we have been looking for the need, the need of God's gift to us. Because we learned a few weeks ago that there was sin in the heart of man that grieved the holy heart of God. And there's nothing man can do about our sin. And so there's a great need that we can't meet in and of ourselves. We need the gift of God, the grace of God to intervene. And then we saw the promise. Even though we were unjust and even though we don't deserve the gift, God promised the gift in the form of a son born to a woman that would crush the serpent's head, would change the curse of sin and death. And we saw the people of God in the Old Testament for years and years and years longing for the promise of the gift of the child. We saw in Genesis 3 that this promise was there in kind of vague form. And then we see in Genesis 12 that this promise would come to the nation Israel, that this child would be a blessing to all the families of the earth, not just Israel. And then we see the scope of that prophecy narrowing, the promise, the gift narrowing, not just from Israel, but from one tribe out of 12, from the tribe of Judah, Genesis 49 told us. And then we see in 2 Samuel 7, not only from the tribe of Judah, but from the line and the house of David, not only from the line and the house of David, but from the city of David, Bethlehem. And not only from Bethlehem, but it would come to us from a virgin. That's the kind of gift that was promised to us, a gift of God's grace to deal with our problem of sin. And last week we saw not only the need, not only the promise, we see the gift delivered. We see the gift delivered at the right place in Bethlehem at the right time in the fullness, the Bible says, of time where God sent forth his son born of a virgin, born under the law. We saw the timing was right, the place was right, and we saw the right purpose in which Jesus came as the gift because Jesus, as the angels announced to the shepherds that he was the Savior the deliverer. He was Messiah. He was God. And not only that, he was Lord. He was the boss. He was King of kings and Lord of lords. What a gift. So here's the question tonight. The question tonight is, how did the angels and the shepherds and Mary respond to the gift then? And how should we respond to the gracious gift of God now in the birth of his son, Jesus, who is Savior, Messiah, and Lord. Turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, there's some Bibles around you, page 857, Bibles around you, and I want to show you the first and second response of the angels and the shepherds and Mary, because those responses inform our response today as well as it did 2,000 years ago at Christmas. Luke chapter 2, 13 through 20. Juan read it. I want to reread part of it, get a sense. And as I read, I want you to notice the response of the angels, the response of the shepherds, the response of Mary. Let me read. Verse 13. 
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, other angels, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. They went quickly and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to him concerning the child. And all who heard wondered at what the shepherds told them but Mary. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned to their fields, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. If you look back at the first few verses, what you see in the response of the angels is really one thing, or a couple things, but one thing in particular. You see the angels' response. This is an angel army. It's not just the angel who came to deliver the message, Gabriel. Now it's a multitude of heavenly hosts. This is an angel army. This is thousands upon thousands of angels. One heavenly host is a battalion of angels, a thousand angels. This is a multitude of them. So imagine this, an angel army comes to worship the newborn king. And interestingly enough, what does it say about these angels? It says they do what? They announce it. They praise God for it. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. An army of angels talking about peace. It's really interesting when you look at scripture and you see what angels do in response to God's mercy and his, and his grace. Not that he offers them, they don't need it, but that he offers human beings made in the image of God. You see, when you see mercy and grace given by God to you and to me at creation, here's what you see. Worship, that the morning star worships. The angels worship and rejoice at the joy of creation. You see here the angels rejoicing over the coming of our salvation that we receive when a person comes to know Jesus. What does the Bible say? That heaven rejoices. And then in the end, when Jesus returns, the second advent, what do we see in the Bible? We see that heaven rejoices. Isn't that amazing? The angels look and see the deliverance of Israel from their sin, and they rejoice. So you see the angels worship. You also see something from the shepherds, don't you? The shepherds, what do they do? They've already heard the news, previous text, a few verses before. They've heard the news from the angels while they were out, and what do they do? They come in haste. That means they come quickly. They don't delay. They come and see what they have heard. And when they leave, when the angels leave, what do they do? They leave as well, and they go back to doing what they're doing, doing what? Praising and rejoicing in God. Do you see it? They worship. The angels worship. The shepherds worship. And then you see this couple of verses here about Mary. And it says that Mary treasured. She pondered. She thought deeply. Imagine that, ladies. Imagine you being Mary Imagine you understanding that Jesus is 
your Savior, but He's also your child. There's much to think about. There's much to understand. There's much to treasure. It's a form of worship. And so you see all three of the angels and the shepherds and Mary worshiping the newborn king. See, the right response to Christmas, the first right response to Christmas of the gift of King Jesus who delivers us from sin is one thing, and it's worship. That's what, by the way, you're created to do. Did you know that? God created you to worship him. And this is exactly what is happening. The people who are looking at a human baby who's divine worship him. That is a right response to Christmas. And maybe you're here this evening and you look at the different titles that the angel gives toward this child born that will bring great joy in this passage. And you say, you know what? You know, I get it that Jesus is Savior. He's the deliverer because I understand that I'm a sinner and I can't fix that problem. I'm good for that because I'm going to receive something out of it from Jesus because he's the deliverer. And I'm okay intellectually with the idea that God is the one who forgives sin, so if there's going to be a Messiah come, he's got to be God. And if there's going to be an advocate to understand and sympathize with human weakness, he has to be man, 100% God. Man, I get that intellectually. But look at the last title a few verses later. It's not just Savior. It's not just Messiah. It's Lord. And we come to this in the outworking of our lives, and we Come and we sing, but the reality is this. Jesus isn't just Savior and Messiah. He's Lord. He's the boss. He's the boss over everything in your life. He's the boss over even the things that you think you're the boss over, i.e. your marriage, your parenting, your job, your money, the things that you struggle with that he wants. No, he's Lord, and if he's Lord, he ought to be worshiped. So the first right response to Christmas is worship, kids. It's right and good for you to sing that song. It's right and good for us to come and worship the newborn king. So let me ask you this Christmas, what's the song? What's the song in your heart? What's the song in your heart this Christmas? And I realize that in a room this large, there's people that are hurting. There's people that need God, to meet them where they're at, and this is exactly what Jesus has done. He meets you where you're at. He says, come to me, who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What's a song in your heart? The last few weeks, we've talked about the Christmas playlist a little bit. What's on your Christmas playlist? From these few verses, let me suggest one. Angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing o'er the plains, and the mountains in reply, echoing their joyous strains. Shepherds, why the jubilee, why your joyous strains prolong? What the gladsome tiding brings, which inspire your heavenly song. And here are the line for you and me. Come to Bethlehem and see him whose birth the angels sing. Come adore on bended knee. Christ the Lord, the newborn king. Gloria, in excelsis Deo, which means glory to God in the highest. Let's add that one to our Christmas playlist this Christmas as we look at this text. So the first response is worship. You see it with the angels. You see it with Mary. You see it with the shepherds. 
But worship leads to something. Worship always produces something in our lives. And that something is this. Witness. Worship produces witness. John Piper said it this way in his book. Let the nations be glad. He said, listen, the fuel of missions or the great commission or sharing your faith, the fuel for that isn't missions itself. It isn't evangelism itself. It's just not something we do. The fuel of missions is worship. It's worship because ultimately, what does God desire? He desires worshipers. When you go to the book of Revelation in the end, worshipers from every tribe, tongue, nation, language, worshiping. You see, the fuel for witness is worship because out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so maybe you go, well, you know, this Christmas, as we sang, build my life. And Mike was talking about what does it look like to share Jesus with other people, maybe in you when you hear that. Or maybe when you're, you're just listening now about the need for witness, maybe a flood of thoughts come in your mind. Well, you know, I'm just not equipped enough. Maybe I, I don't have all the answers to, to all the questions that people might ask me. Look at the shepherds here. Do you see them? This is simple. Like, if you look at their response, here's what they do. They simply respond to what they've seen and heard. If you look at this passage, the angels are not only proclaiming and praising God and worshiping him. It's a proclamation. It's a proclamation of peace coming to men. How does peace come to men? Because we need a savior. We're at enmity with God. And Christ is our savior and delivers us from that. And so you, you not only see the first gospel being shared after Jesus is born by the angels. It's not just worship. It is proclamation. Do you see that in the text? And then the shepherds, not only do they go praising God. What does the text say? When they left, as they were going back to what they do. Just tend to sheep, what were they doing? They were making known what they had seen and heard. They're making known. When they went back and people came by, they were making known what they had seen and heard from Jesus. That's simply they sharing their testimony of what they'd seen and heard. And what they'd seen and heard was what? What did the angel say? Here is the Savior. Here's the Messiah. Here's the Lord. He will bring you great joy. For all people, for you, even lowly shepherd. And so you see the angels and you see the shepherds not only worshiping, but out of that worship they are witnessing. They are bearing witness of what they've seen and heard. And maybe you're not the scholar. That's okay. Maybe you don't know everything about apologetics. Do you think the shepherds did? They simply told of what they'd seen. And what they had heard. And it's as simple in many ways as that. Should you learn and grow as you share the gospel, the good news with people? Yes. But it's simply sharing what you've seen and what you've heard. See, worship produces witness. Perhaps the Christmas playlist, if we're expanding it, if I'm going to give you another song, it would be this. Kids sang it a couple of weeks ago for us. Go tell it on the mountain. Go tell it on the mountain. 
over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is Lord. And if you want to tag on on the end of that to complete the gospel truth, you might say, amazing love, how can it be that thou, my king, would die for me? So there's worship and there's witness. Those are the responses to the beautiful gift that Christ offers you this Christmas. What's your response? What's your response to what the Bible calls the most indescribable gift, the grandest gift that you could ever receive, that you, receive, that you actually need? You think about all the gifts that you, you can't remember what gift you got last year. You really didn't need it. But this is the gift that you need. Have you responded to it? You see, here's the thing. The things that we love and the things that we are passionate about, we talk about. We talk about. It just comes out. I'm going to assume that many of you are Astros fans. I don't know how you get Astros and Advent, but here we are. I'm going to assume in the room there's a lot of Astros fans. You got a lot to celebrate. You won the pennant. You won the World Series. I assume that you talk about it. I assume that maybe you even talk a little trash on social media about it. And you know what else I assume? I assume that when you go to Academy and you're checking out, it's just mean. They put it right there. When you check out at Academy, there's a $150 jersey sitting right there. And you can get Pena. You can get Tucker. I know some Tucker fans in the room. You can get whoever. You can get their jersey for $150. I know you have them. Why? Because you'll rep the Astros. You're proud of your team. And you'll wear it on your back so people know that you're an Astros fan. And even if you went to Dodger Stadium or Yankee Stadium, I I bet you're going to wear it there too. And that's the kicker. See, the things that we love and the things that we care about, whether it's our family, whether it's our kids, whether it's our job, whatever it is, whether it's our sports team, we talk about it. And we'll even, here's the kicker, we'll even talk about it to people who don't think the same way we do. We'll even talk about it with Yankees fan, fans, even when they're present. We might especially do that right now. You know where I'm going with this. Do we do that? Do we do the same with our Savior, who's Messiah, who's Lord, and the gift that we really need the most? At the end of the day, I can get along a little bit with, Ash, with Yankees fans. Maybe. And get along with Dodgers fans. It's a temporal thing. But what, here's what we often do with people around us at Christmas. Maybe it's family. Maybe it's friends. Maybe it's person, people that you just know. If you're going to tell them about Jesus, it's going to be a rough conversation. We tend to not talk about it. And one of the things that we often say is, you know what, I'm not going to share because I I really care about this relationship and I don't want to rock that boat. Let me tell you a story. It's just a story I heard on a podcast the other day about a lady. She grew up not in kind of church world, nominal mainline church world, didn't really learn a lot of Bible, wasn't that interested. Parents would go to church here and there. And she grew up, went to college, kind of still nominal. She would say she was a Christian, but pretty nominal. Didn't know much about the Bible or her faith. She met a guy, and he comes from the same background. 
exact same background, and they get married, and they have their first kid, and then they start thinking, maybe we need to go to church. We need to raise our kid in a church. And about that time, some people come knocking on her door. So folks came knocking on her door and invited and began to talk to her about Jesus in a certain way, a little bit different way than she heard growing up, but she couldn't kind of put those things together. She got into the community of this church, and she, she and her husband and their family were in this church for a dozen years, and then things started to be confusing. And during that time, nobody really talked to her about the church she were in. None of her Christian friends talked to her about it or him about it. And they began to question some of the weird things that they were hearing. They were in a Mormon church, Latter-day Saints, not the gospel. Out of that, out of her own search and her husband's search, they actually came to know Christ and the truth of the gospel on their own. And she's on this podcast and she's talking about the experience of looking back over a dozen years Family who know Jesus, who really do know Jesus. Friends that really do know Jesus. People around her really knew Jesus. And she said, you know, at the end of the day, it's on us. But nobody close to me would share Jesus with me or question, ask questions about what I believed. And to a person, when I came later as a believer in Jesus and said, why wouldn't you just talk to me? Why wouldn't you just question what, I, what we were in? And to a person, every single person in her family, in her friendship says, well, we didn't want to mess up our relationship with you. Listen, that's a sad story, and there's a challenge in this story for us because oftentimes with people that I'm going to see tomorrow, that I'm going to see next week, inside and outside my family around Christmas, it's like, I don't ever want to go there. And yet, there are people all around you that need to hear the truth of the gospel, the gospel of grace. It's the most loving thing that you could do this Christmas season is to share the gift that you've received with them. And so maybe this Christmas season, you need to ask the question, who might need to hear the good news of great joy from me this Christmas? You see, the right response to Christmas is wonder, it's worship, and it's witness. Let me pray.